now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Ali Shilton. And I'm Ali Dolsborn. And welcome to a Shout Out World AIDS Day special. Uh, today we catch up with Brigstow as World AIDS Day approaches. And we'll be talking to Aisha from Common Ambition Bristol live in the studio. Uh, all that and more right here today on Shout Out. You know the um, the BBC weather guy, Owen, who did the drum special for Children in Need? Yes, of course. Yes. We need to do that for our intro, the way, and you should lead it. Oh, <laughs> thank, thanks, thanks. Just give me something else to do over the next two weeks. Beautiful, that's all I need. Have you got a set of drums? Uh... No, but I could probably find a couple of bangers here and there. <laughs> I'm sure you could, darling. <laughs> uh, anyway, very well, welcome, Alice. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Shout out, lovely shout out. Lo- How are we? Lovely to have you here. Mm, and we won't mention Drag Race at uh, all. N- well, not at all. We we can discuss the final three, but I am it's on like, am, right now. It's on now, yeah. so. Um, yeah, I'm off social media. So no, Don't no, no, one, me. no one message Ali. <laughs> no one message me. No one tag me. No one do anything. Otherwise, you may die. <laughs> of course, all, all those stations that broadcast us tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday, it'll be all over. Yeah. It will be all over. And then you can DM me about the winner. And I will tell you whether I agree. But go. until then, yeah. Are we allowed to ask who's your favourite? Yeah, Team Kitty. Right. Team Kitty. Kitty 1, Ella 2, Crystal 3. Cool. That's my order. Cool. Well, uh, if you're listening on repeat or you on a heard podcast, it here you, first. Would, you already know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, a very packed show coming up, um, which is uh, been put together by yourself. Uh, this one, isn't it? It has. Yes, it's the annual Brigstow takeover. I like taking over this radio show every now and again, <laughs> just like weasel myself in and flutter me eyelashes at Steffi, and then she tends to give me whatever I want. To be honest, so that's what I, I did this year. I'm, I'm reliably informed that's not limited to Steffi, from what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, um, yeah, this is the third one we've done now, hasn't it? Yeah. I think, mm. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's becoming the I mean, annual very, event of the year. Yeah. yeah, very important day, though. It's, it you know, it's, it's, it's something important. that's worth worth marking. So. Yeah, and this year we're up to forty years. So, it, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's, forty years since the first cases first, of first diagnosis of AIDS. Yeah. Of AIDS. Yeah. yeah, so it's um, it's a big one. It's a special one, and this year even more so. You know, there's opportunities for people to come together. And after last year, when it was all virtual, you know, mm. people living with HIV can already feel kind of isolated and anxious about their health and about being involved in society so last year when we were even more so it was quite difficult to do whereas Mm. this year we can all be together as one big happy community and it's just going to be lots of lovely feels i think yeah well i think we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, kind of the segregation of some of it a little bit later on with asia aren't we we are um but uh, in the meantime though um we're going to go across to um uh, brigstow um i don't think it's yourself in this is it it's not me no it's <laughs> for um a change. No, just for a change <laughs> oh 
Oh, we need something from Brigstow. Let's ask Alid. No, this one is um, two of my volunteers um, who are starting a new campaign called More Than Three Letters, which we're launching next week. And it's about people nowadays living with HIV, writing a letter to themselves on the day that they were diagnosed, um, uh, knowing what they know now. So they're just going to tell us some more information about that. Well, have a listen to this. My five on shout out. So, Irene, it's coming up to World AIDS Day once again. Um, lots of Brigstow events and other events happening all over town. Uh, are you looking forward to it? Yes, in a strange way. Um, not so much this year because. Um, it's been a really sad year, you know, kind of remind me of a lot of things, you know. Um, but it's good always to be able to have one day in the year that's designated for um, people living with HIV and for us to remember our departed dear ones. Absolutely. And, you know, it's coming up to 40 years for World AIDS Day, um, but it's actually coming up to 25 years for Brigstow, um, the Bristol-based HIV charity um, just uh, up the road from here in Easton. And we've got sort of a a special event planned for the 25th anniversary that's going to run throughout the year, but it is being launched at uh, the World AIDS Day events at the Watershed. And it's called More Than Three Letters, um, which is a chance to reflect, as you said, Because in the last 25 years, a lot has changed with HIV. The treatment has come on. The stigma is less maybe than what it used to be. I don't know. Do you find that? Or do you Uh, think there's still a lot of work to be done? There's always going to be a lot of work to be done, especially around stigma. And um, important to note that, um, that at least now, the actual word stigma and its connotations actually is being brought, is being, being being focused on a lot more than it was in the past. It was like in the past, we just took it for granted that stigma does exist around HIV, but now we're talking about it and we're trying to address it. That's, that's For me, that's the change. Um, why I find it sad to note that it's not, that it's still there with us because is because um, I don't know why. Um, it's high time HIV was treated just like any other illness. And yet when we talk about HIV, people suddenly immediately think AIDS and some really, really nasty, you know, images of the past come to mind. It's hard. Well, this is true. I mean, this, that was certainly the, the image of HIV and AIDS that I grew up with. You know, we all remember the terrible advertising campaigns of the time. Um, but... You know, I think people who've been living positively with being positive for this long have really come to terms with HIV and learned a lot themselves. And the idea of more than three letters is that they get to write a letter to their younger self, to that person that they were the week they were diagnosed, who was probably terrified of both the virus and the stigma. And... uh, offer some advice that they've managed to accrue over the years. I mean, if you could go back in time, if you had a time machine, mm-hmm. what would you tell younger Irene? It's a big question. 
It is a big question. And, you know, interesting enough, actually, I myself, because, you know, I mean, Mark, you should know this, of course. You asked me to write such a letter, and I did. And the only thing I could really focus on, really, and which I still would want to stick by in answering this is, is hope. I would tell myself, I would have told myself at the time that it's not the end of the world. It's not a death sentence, much as it looks like it is. That there is hope down the line. There's going to be dedication down the line. There's going to be a chance for you to live through this all. So um, keep up your head. And down the line, much as you're going to face a lot of criticism and um, stigma, you will survive it. And down the line, you will find um, people to reach out to you, um, peers who are sharing your own experience, and they will help you to, to navigate this journey. And also down the line, you will be able to, medication would have improved, um, um, there'll be so much more choice, um, all those harrowing images. Because, you know, I lost a lot of relatives, I lost a lot of dear friends, close work colleagues, and many of them I visited them either in the hospital or in their homes, and they were emaciated. They really had a, it was awful. They were like dying, and there's nothing I could do for them. And I said some of them were my relatives. I went to the funerals as well. So it was really awful and harrowing. But to think now, and had I known then at the time, because at the time, that's what I was seeing around me, all these horrible images, and knowing that I'll be the next in line. So the minute I got my diagnosis, I said, oh, my goodness, Lord, this is the end of me. Had I known at the time, and had somebody been able to tell me at the time that things were going to be okay, that there is hope down the line, and things will not be that way, like 20 years, because now I was diagnosed in 2002, now 19 years ago, um, down the line, I'm here, alive and thriving, you know, and one of my, my story is one of those in, in this more than three um, letters um, experience that we're going to give you, and um, you'll read it, you know, you'll see actually that with our hope, there really is nothing else, and hope for me symbolizes all the good things that HIV struggle and what the scientists have come up to up with now is hope giving us what never used to be there. And I think anybody even being diagnosed today, that message is still very, very much pertinent to them. Let them hope for a better tomorrow. Absolutely. And I think, you know, coming along to the watershed on uh, uh, Tuesday, the 30th of November at 630, uh, people will hear, you know, fantastic stories, not only to inspire people living with HIV, but hopefully to serve as a reminder to those who haven't been tested, who may not know if they're HIV positive or not, maybe have never even considered it, uh, to go and get tested and to realize that there's nothing to be afraid of and uh, uh, knowledge is power and you know the stigma and the perception of the old times is long gone and then that's that's part of what we're all going to be reflecting on on world aids day if you have a story you could tell in five minutes get in contact visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. 
<laughs> Alan picked tonight's song, so you can tell by, Great by the, the, the singing along that's Can I just on. say, <laughs> the, you know like, miming doesn't work on the radio, Alan, right? Yeah. No, that's fine, but no one no one wants to hear me sing, so I will lip sync my best life thinking I'm in a, recu- in, in a recording <laughs> studio. But can I just say, that was song one of four tonight, and yep. they are all bangers, even if I do say so yeah. myself. No, I like them all. I like Thank them all. you, Andy. That's, um, yeah. that's Last Dance by Donna Summer, and you picked it. Do you want to tell them why yes, you picked I it? Yes, I picked it, especially. Uh, that song is written by Paul Jabara and Paul Jabara died from HIV and AIDS complications so there is going to be a theme with the song choices tonight so that is our first one and what a tune who doesn't love to open a show with a bit of Donna who doesn't love Donna let's be honest exactly I just love the miming I think it's great I was spinning around in my chair and everything I was like Picturing disco Literally, balls, balls like, coming like, down yeah, from the everything. Yeah. I was living my best life to that one. Anyway, uh, let's get some news headlines. This is Shout Out News on Thursday, the 25th of November. China continues to flip-flop on LGBTQIA rights, according to Gay Times web portal. After a period in which much electronic media has been purged of content affecting the gay community with bans on effeminate men on television and the sudden and apparently forced closure of the country's main advocacy organisation, the Chinese government has suddenly announced the creation of the country's first gender clinic for trans children and youth. According to a report from the Global Times, the multidisciplinary clinic is based at the Children's Hospital of Fudan University in Shanghai. News of the creation of this team who were ready to assess gender dysphoria in young people has been welcomed by Jin Ying of the Beijing LGBT Centre. China has a bizarre historical record towards gender nonconformity and homosexuality in recent decades. Traditionally tolerated in ancient imperial China, the takeover of communism in 1949 led to violent crackdowns. The reforms of the 1980s led to China adopting a paradoxical political framework with aggressive capitalism slave to a top-heavy communist infrastructure. This led to some improvements for LGBTQIA people, with the country declassifying homosexuality as a mental illness in 1990. Since then, China has sometimes been more tolerant, but by then turned by turns cracked down on LGBTQIA people and groups. The BBC World Service, which has not been above past criticism for homophobic reportage, met up with Gilbert and George, the gay couple who have been making photomontage art on contemporary issues since the late 1960s. Gilbert and George were guests on the Hard Talk programme on Friday the 19th of November. They were quizzed about aspects of their work, particularly their sometimes strained relationship with the arts establishment in the UK. George explained to the interviewer that when they came out as supporters of the government of Mrs Margaret Thatcher in the 80s, the mainstream of the arts world, which was predominantly left-wing, sharply criticised the pair. Today, they continue their iconoclastic relationship with critics and movers and shakers. Their current exhibition is of artwork they produced during lockdown for COVID-19, taking as inspiration human suffering, the illegal rave party scene and urban London. 
Christian Stewart, direct from her acting triumph as the great Lady Diana in the series Spencer, says that she is working on a gay ghost-hunting reality show. According to the media website Digital Spy, Miss Stewart described her idea as a paranormal romp in a queer space. We look forward to seeing whether her proposal makes it to the small screen, where we think it is sure to be a big success. American news site The Hill reports that racing legend Lewis Hamilton has published photos of the beautiful diversity and inclusion helmet he sported at the Qatar Formula One Grand Prix. Despite the country being intolerant of many groups, including LGBTQIA people, Mr Hamilton made a statement with the designs on his helmet, which included the Progress Pride flag with rainbow stripes, black and brown stripes and the transgender blue and pink design all incorporated. The rear of the helmet bore the slogan, We Stand together he said i do think uh, as these sports go to these places we are duty bound to raise awareness of issues and that these places need scrutiny and the media to speak about issues hamilton said as we go out on our first broadcast this week, it's Thursday night and the federal American holiday of Thanksgiving. We wish everyone from the US and other territories where it's celebrated a festive weekend. Of course, because of its association with family group gatherings, Thanksgiving can pose problems for people who are isolated or restrained from their birth families. The internet can be a great resource at this time, allowing LGBTQIA people and allies the chance to offer each other support if their family gatherings are not that of a picture-perfect variety variety depicted on the cinema so we're going to pop a link to a list of resources on our website so do check out our news feed for it and finally we also send greetings to lgbtqia people from a jewish background as from sunday evening we enter the eight days of the midwinter festival of hanukkah the festival marks several key moments in jewish history and is marked with the lighting of a menorah the giving of gifts and the eating of specially prepared feasts liberal and reformed judaism have long been welcoming of lgbtqia people and there is a lively president presence i beg your pardon of these branches of the religion in many british cities so we offer our greetings and hope as well you have a festive time for these new stories in further detail and much much more we update the website every day do check out the news feed at shoutoutradio.lgbt for shout out news this is terry star <laughs> Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out LGBT radio for you. The shout out podcast. Yeah, I'm definitely nursing the theme here. That's uh, Erasure and uh, Earl Moore. I haven't heard that in a long time, that one. Great you time. are all so very welcome. <laughs> so welcome. It's a great song. Yeah. Great song. Brilliant. And brilliant song. It's Erasure. Uh, that doesn't need any introduction no. or reason why I'm playing it, quite frankly. But it just because it's the reason. Erasure. It is Andy Bell, obviously, one of the members of Erasure, who is HIV positive. Yes. Uh, we've actually interviewed him. Nice. Mm, about, about ten years ago, yeah, I think. Back in the early days, yeah. yes. Oh, back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> the when Ali was a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been a chicken. Oh. <laughs> Old mutton, maybe. <laughs> now now I identify as a has been. That is my tribe. <laughs> You're a lot younger than me, I'm sure. Uh maybe. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, um, uh, we, we won't ask our guests uh, their age because it's impolite to do so, but we will say a very warm welcome to uh, Aisha. Um, hello, welcome to Shout Out. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, now, you're from, um, uh, it's called the Common Ambition. Common um, Ambition Bristol. Bristol. Yeah. Yes. That's do you want to give us a little bit of background? What, what is it? What's it about? Yeah, so essentially it is a three-year community-powered co-production project. That's a lot of words, but basically <laughs> what it is, is a project that's here to raise HIV awareness in African and Caribbean communities here in Bristol. Right, cool. Is this with Brigstow, or is this a separate thing to Brigstow? Or? Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> um, it, we are one of the partners uh, oh, right, so okay. we are the charity lead for that so Aisha works upstairs with me in the community centre and sits opposite me Poor which you. is lovely <laughs> <laughs> rude and is he as bouncy at this at work yes. as well yeah yes um, so when you're like so we said like I said uh, we said I said I was one of the community members who else is involved in community ambition uh, in common ambition sorry and kind of Who's funding it and like kind of where yeah. did it come from? So the project is funded by the Health Foundation. As you've already said, Brickstill, one of the main community partners. Our other main community partner is African Voices Forum. The project would be lost without them. It's incredible to have them on board. We've also got the uh, Bristol City Council are on board with us as well. We have a, a research and evaluation arm of the project, which is done by the university and um Arc West. We also have on board Unity Sexual Health, Brooke and um, THT are on board as well. So there's a lot of people in the room, a lot of people doing really great work in the city already, coming together to make sure that this project really does cater for the African and Caribbean communities properly and in a thought out manner, which is something that hasn't necessarily been done here before. Right. And what's the kind of the aim of the project? What are you aiming to achieve with this? So there are four main aims really. Essentially, obviously, increasing HIV awareness is key for the project particularly within the African and Caribbean communities it's about making sure that we're dispelling myths and making sure that we're stopping stigma and um, one of the things that we want to do is increase people testing that is key we really want to get people testing often testing early and um, we have a problem with late diagnosis in our community that is something that we're trying to tackle and um, so it's really just about making sure that everybody has all of the information that they need about HIV um, and about where to test when to test how to test dispelling all of the myths and generally just making sure that the African and Caribbean heritage communities are looked after in the same way that other communities have been for a very long time when it comes to their sexual health. Yeah, so I you, would... you said that you said that about myths. So what, what kind of myths have you come across that oh, obviously aren't true? So they wouldn't be myths. But. I mean, there are the standard myths that I think are, are in all points terms of you know if you have a HIV diagnosis it's a death sentence we know for a fact that that isn't the case we have lots of people who still believe that if you have a positive HIV diagnosis that you know your life is over you can't continue to have healthy happy fantastic sex we know that that isn't true you know you equals you is out there now that's a message that I think has saturated some communities but not saturated the African and Caribbean heritage communities it's, it's enough. still not a very well-known thing though I mean do you, do you want to explain one of you what you equals you actually means because I, it's I know it through through Aladdin because we've done it on the show. But when I'm out there talking to people, I go "you equals you." They're like, uh, what? "What?" I'm I'm, I'm just going to record that bit that said I only know about it because of Aladdin, and that is what that is. When anybody asks me what my job is, it's like, oh, I, I taught one person what "you equals you" means. So "you equals you" stands for undetectable equals untransmittable, and in layman's terms, in like unjargoned normal English language, it means that people living with HIV who are on a 
effective treatment cannot pass HIV on to their sexual partners. So that means any kind of relationship can be fully safe in the knowledge that if one of you is positive and one of you is negative, the negative partner is going to be completely protected. There's no need for PrEP in that instance. And if you are looking to start a family and you're living with HIV, you can do so now, knowing that your children are going to be born negative. Yes. So Mm -hmm. it protects vertical transmission from mother to child. Yes. And which is, you know, for African and Caribbean heritage communities, that message alone is a huge message for us to make sure that we get out there. But also, I think that, you know, you mentioned PrEP already. That is another thing that we really need to make sure that African and Caribbean heritage communities are aware of. We have the assumption that people who live in the LGBTQIA plus communities, regardless of intersectionality, so regardless if they're from an African and Caribbean heritage community, will know what U equals U is and means because there's been a long-standing um you know if you like a push of information to that community but we are you know we're aware that that's not necessarily the case so we want to make sure that our african and caribbean heritage um communities are also aware of the messaging that people assume that they should know because they identify in a certain way which you know just isn't the case so uh some people may ask um why a specific targeted project at this community? Why not everybody? And I know the reason why, but <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't have invited you to uh, like to, to interview if I could say it all. Um, but for those people who are asking, why do we need targeted approaches? Why do we need targeted like prevention work at certain demographics? What would you respond to that? I would say that, you know, that's a really valid question. And essentially for me, some of what I will say now may be controversial in some circles, but there hasn't been a sustained project, a sustained effort with African and Caribbean heritage communities to make sure that the information is as it should be, to make sure that the African and Caribbean heritage communities have the same level of information tailored to them in the same way that we've historically tailored it to the LGBTQIA communities. That hasn't happened within the African and Caribbean heritage communities. African and Caribbean heritage communities, as we know, face massive um, inequalities when it comes to health. And those inequalities are pushed even further when it comes to sexual health, further again when it comes to intersectionalities between communities within that space. So it's really important that we're making sure that that information gets to the communities, gets to the communities properly and gets to the communities in a way that doesn't make them feel that they've been left behind or othered because that happens very often and that's something that needs to stop. And how are we reaching those communities then? What are you doing to get to those people? So Common Ambition Bristol is in many ways a um, a unique opportunity for us to be able to um, look at these communities, engage with these communities, um, specifically in a city like Bristol, where we know Bristol is a city of activists. You'd have to be blind, deaf or silly (laughs) to not know what's been going on in this city for the last two years. So we've got a really great moment where we have the commissioners behind us. We have the services behind us. We have the people as well wanting to make sure that they're bringing about change, wanting to make sure that they know everything that they need to know to keep themselves healthy and make sure that the inequalities that they're facing are addressed. So our project is really there now to make sure that we're doing that and doing that well um, I obviously am going to be a bit biased because the project <laughs> is my baby it's my life's work I absolutely love working for this project but this project has community members on board from the outset so we're creating job opportunities as well as creating opportunities for people to learn for people to grow for the community to be involved and also most importantly for the services in the city to learn from the community as well it's not just about us pushing information to the community it's about the community coming back to us and saying you know 
that worked that worked well that doesn't work you know when we're, we're not responding to that do something different yeah. and that's essentially what we're here for is, is there a lot of them still think it's too taboo to talk about as well is that of course and i think that you know that is that's the case in most communities we're british we don't necessarily yeah. openly we're talk so about british. sex it's we're terrible. so british yeah. yeah so you know having conversations about sex is is a taboo anyway but if you then have an intersectionality of a family that's also here from another country where sex definitely isn't spoken about historically you wouldn't sit around and have conversations about condoms with your parents I mean gosh I'm from an African heritage background and I think if I mentioned condoms to my dad they'd well he'd go all shades of colour that he already isn't so I think that you know <laughs> it's about making sure that we provide a space where we can make sure people can have honest open dialogue about their sexual preferences about sex about dangers about pleasures about all of the things about sex that we're not necessarily talking about and that's one of the key things is to remember that sex isn't always taboo sex is meant to be beautiful it's meant to be great it's meant to be pleasurable we're meant to have live it. so much that we talk about and have it you know and also as well you know with the african and caribbean heritage communities abstinence is a thing so if people want to abstain then that's fine but it's about making sure that they have the education behind them to make the decisions when they want to and when they feel they should in a informed and you know educated way because otherwise you have people making daft mistakes that aren't necessary in this day and age yeah. It's it's an and amazing project, and yeah. the best <laughs> yeah. and the best thing about this project is that it's three years and we have the funding. Like this project yes. isn't going away no. anytime soon. So there's a real, like you were saying, there's a real need and there's a real backing from those people that this project is going to work. It's the yes. right. It's oh, which is great. It also means we we mustn't leave it a year before we catch up with you and find out how it's no, going. Absolutely not. We, we, well, I'm only upstairs. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if people want to find out more about Common Ambition. Uh, where can they go? So the best place to go, you can head to the Brigstow website, which is www.brigstow.org forward slash Common Ambition Bristol. There's a page on there that tells you all about us. We're also on social media. So follow us on Twitter at Common Ambition Bristol. Follow us on Facebook, Common Ambition Bristol. And follow us on Instagram, Common Ambition Bristol. If you want to send us any direct messages on there, it's me that replies to those. So come along, say hello, say hi. Um, let me get to know you and you get to know our project beautiful i love this project so <laughs> i really really do i really do i really do it's just amazing and what are your kind of like what's been the most exciting part for you so far considering we're only like we're not even a full year yeah. in yet are we it's no, nearly a year nearly a year nearly a year nearly i would say for me it's been the um bringing the community members on board this project would not be possible without like i've said already it's a community powered project we can't do this without community tie-in and having the community members on board and having their experience and having their knowledge of their community brought into this project is what makes it unique and i think that's what i love most Oh. Cool. Well, listen, it's been lovely talking to you, and um, uh, it must be so much easier now, especially with COVID starting to relax a bit. Yes. Last year was must have been quite hard trying to do um, something like this. We um, launched, yeah, we launched in lockdown. I started the job in lockdown. It's it's been a mad, mad year, but it's been brilliant all at the same. So yeah. Uh, but key key message: get tested. Um, you know that uh, is the big one of all listen it's been lovely talking to you thank you so much and we must make sure we catch up with you again Um, but stay with us Um, you're listening to Shout Out we're back in a minute Shout Out LGBT Radio for you the Shout Out Podcast Shout Out Podcast (laughs) 
For more information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT Radio for you. There you go. That was Queen. Didn't really need an instruction. It doesn't right? need it an intro. We are the champions. We are the champions. Everyone in the studio is just kind of like so with waving so hands from side to side. Such yeah. a good song. And I think when we're talking about kind of like World AIDS Day, when we're talking about HIV and the story of it is in 2021, we are the champions. It's been one of the biggest success stories. Yes, it's been mm. one of the most destructive pandemics in history yes. since the first case. You know, um, in San Francisco, over 35 million people have died worldwide but when we look at the advancements in treatment when we look how far people living with HIV have come and all of the successes that we have had we are the champions and Mm. it was 30 years 30th anniversary this week of Freddie dying so I think it was a a fitting song for a fitting show I think absolutely Mm. I'd like to say what a beautiful interview how lovely yeah it was great yes yeah Aisha is um, just incredible and I, mm. when you have a project that you know is needed and you have the right person behind that project driving it in the way that she does um, this project is only going to be a success and I have no doubt in my mind about that mm. well, as you said we'll have to catch up with her and, oh, yeah. and, and see, mm. see how it's going So, mm. but I, I totally agree I mean you, you could just hear the passion uh, which is which is lovely so three days into her role with Brigstow we got her to present at the Brigstow AGM and she smashed it so we kind of already knew from then we were like oh okay she's gonna be a good egg you know she's been here three days you're doing a presentation by the way um, but yeah she knocked it out of the park but she is just an she is a force um, an absolute force now uh, we put this bit in the show so that we could talk and perhaps dispel some of the other myths and clear up what phrases mean and the like and I guess probably the most important one to start off with but so many people even this day and age still get really confused with is the difference between HIV and AIDS Um, and you quite especially if people are doing it to be derogatory they'll quite often shout something referencing AIDS rather than uh, HIV so for listeners do you want to explain the difference between the two yes because there is a difference between the two Mm, and they are two very different things Um, so HIV stands for the human immunodeficiency virus and AIDS stands for acquired immunodeficiency syndrome so you've got the virus and you've got the syndrome so you can't catch AIDS no one has ever caught AIDS you can't catch it it's not something you're born with it is something that develops over time Um, so HIV is the virus Mm -hmm. that is what you can in inverted commas catch or acquire um, through a myriad of different ways Um, but if left untreated over time the level of your white blood cells which is your immune system will deplete and deplete and when it gets to a certain level um, of depletion that's when you will have what's called an AIDS diagnosis Mm. Um, some people can be diagnosed with an AIDS diagnosis because they left it so long before getting tested Um, they would have though that doesn't mean they caught AIDS that meant that they caught HIV but left it and it got left over a period of time to develop into AIDS but if you and correct me if I'm wrong the acquired bit is you end up catching lots of viruses and other bugs that normally your body would fend off but you no longer can because of the HIV and it's that build up of all of those that can eventually lead to things like that so you won't die of AIDS you will usually die of an AIDS related illness and Mm. there are a collection of illnesses that people without an immune system are more susceptible 
to acquiring. Um, but if you do have or you're given an AIDS diagnosis after your test, because the treatment is so robust, that will flip to living with HIV not dying mm. uh, of AIDS. Can I um, just ask about the the uh, inoculations that have come out? Do, does that? I think it's daily, isn't it? Um, is that to replace Pep and Prep? No. Uh, okay. So the uh, so if you've seen it, the vaccine, uh, it's been all all over the news at the moment that HIV injectable mm. drugs are going to be a thing. So that is the antiretroviral therapy treatment that people living with HIV take. So currently, well, up until now, we take our tablet, which is a combination of medications. So it could be anything from one to three pills, once once a day to three times a day, depending on the regime that you're on. And you have to take that tablet or that combination of tablets every day. And that's what maintains the viral load at an undetectable level. Um, some people, though, can't, for a myriad of reasons, take that tablet every day. They can't adhere to their medication. That could be because taking a tablet every day is a daily reminder that you're living with HIV and they can't deal with that visual image. They've got too much self-stigma. They've got too much going on and they can't mentally deal with that diagnosis. It could be that they're living in a house of multiple occupancy and they don't want to have their medication on show they don't want to store their medication in their house that being seen by a housemate and then them googling what it is and then potentially having further ramifications because of that because of the stigma around hiv in terms of homeless people again they don't have anywhere that they can store their medication safely in a dry space that isn't going to be seen by other people which could have a negative impact on them so we need to change that because we know that if people are on treatment, they're undetectable, they can't pass it on. So not only does it reduce the health implications that people living with HIV could have if they're not on treatment, it means it's a public health thing, you know, it's treatment as prevention. They're not going to be passing the virus on to other people. So injectables are now a thing. And we've had injectable contraception for a while. So... Um, where they get a long-lasting two-month injection and that's their daily contraceptive pill, but over two months. Um, so it's not a new concept of having long-lasting injectable therapy for something. Um, so it's been approved for HIV medication. Mm. So it is one tablet, no, one injection um, so every once couple every, of months, every, every yeah. couple of months it's like a bi-monthly you would go to your clinic your HIV specialist clinic and get the injection right. but at the then, moment there isn't a pep and prep version of it they're no. only available as as, as, uh, tablets. as tablets so which leads me on to my next question what are pep and prep yes oh <laughs> i love prep and pep uh so uh pep stands for post exposure prophylaxis and pep is a 28 day course of treatment that somebody can take if they have if they believe that they have been exposed to hiv so that could be i've gone to glastonbury and i've stood on a needle it could be 
um, that the condom is broke or it could be through or traumatic sexual experience um, and you would need to start PEP within 72 hours of that time of exposure. And it's ideally 36 though, isn't it? The sooner the better. Yeah, I mean, um, as soon as you know, yes. it's A&E you go to, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, yeah, so if it's Monday to Friday during sexual health clinic opening times, you can get it from there and that would always be my first port of call because they know what PEP is. Yeah. Um, if, also, it's, yeah. <laughs> if it's outside of those hours, go to A&E and they can dispense at A&E. You just may need to wait around a bit because depending on the nurse is depending on whether they know what it is you're after. Um, PrEP then, on the other hand, stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. And that is a pill that you can take before you have the sex and that will protect you from HIV. Mm. So if you're only having it's not just one pill i should point out it, it's a course you, you yeah you, you have to you take, take it every, it every day. single day you take it every day um, um and after about a week it, it builds up in your system enough that um hopefully it will prevent infection yeah um, so if you into your body yeah so if you take prep as prescribed which is in a different ways that you can take it for the majority the majority of people will take it every day um if you take it as prescribed and you continue to take that prep is over 99 percent effective against a hiv transmission so if you're only having vaginal sex you need to take it every day because that's the only way that you can protect yourself if you're having only anal sex you can either take it every day or you can take what's called event-based dosing and that's where you double the doses before and after a planned event of sex um i always say to people though that i never plan the sex that i'm going to have um sex happens when and i know we're british you shouldn't have to plan these um, things. in the, the diary <laughs> for eight o'clock next friday night to me that's a little bit less sexy but yeah. like i have sex when i'm feeling a certain way and i turn on a certain yeah. app on my phone and it happens hopefully yeah. it will happen within half an hour of me being on that app um so, how, how do you get on? How how do you get prep? So prep, we fought for a long, long time within the mm. sector for it to happen. So um, prep is now on the NHS. It is free. You don't need to be part of an impact trial. You don't need to if you don't want to. You can still purchase it privately online um, if you don't want your sexual health clinic to know that you're taking it. But you don't have to now. You can get it via your sexual health clinic on the NHS, on prescription, and it's for anybody, regardless of gender, sexuality, the type of sex you're having. If you're having condomless sex and you want an extra layer of protection, take PrEP. So there's a lot of talk in the media and in like social media versus the Twitterverse, in the media, in politics, of getting to zero new HIV transmissions by 2030. Mm. Now, if someone said that to me five years ago, I probably even eight years ago, I probably would have laughed in your face. Mm. And I was like, that is a dream. We, that is never going to happen. But, but with actually, and prep and when we look at it, you. when we look at it now, you know, we've got PrEP, which is the contraceptive pill. We've got PEP, which is the morning after pill. And we've got that it's like and we've got treatment which makes you undetectable so actually yeah. we do have all of the tools in our belt to be able to 
prevent new transmissions. But I will just caveat it with the fact that they only treat HIV. Uh, there yes. are other other um, things out of there course. you can catch. So um, that it's, it's not a wonder drug that means you can just come be a frivolous. No, 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 no. But, but no. it is a huge step in the right direction. So yes. I've got I've got one more for you, which is quite a recent one I heard. Um, um, I know U equals U, but I should still be on prep because there's still a risk. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and so uh, it depends what context I would say I would answer that in. Now, if you... So I am HIV positive and I take my meds every day. So I definitively know without a shadow of a doubt that I do have an undetectable viral load. Now, if my partner um, was negative and I was in a monogamous relationship... In terms of HIV, he wouldn't need to take Mm. PrEP and everything would be hunky-dory. But what we do know is that we are in the real world. So I'm asking that person, why do you think you need to take PrEP? And if it's because uh, they turn around and say, well, it's to protect me from HIV from my partner, that's when I can say, well, you don't need to take it because if you're in a monogamous relationship, you're already protected because your partner is taking his treatment. If you're in an open relationship or a polyamorous relationship or you have the odd occasion where you may invite a third or you go off on a weekend, whatever, yeah, yeah. different postcodes, it doesn't count, um, <laughs> then I would say if you're having other types of sex with other partners... Um, being yes. on prep is a good thing. Take Be on prep because then you are adding yourself that extra layer of protection. And when we look at the preps, uh, when we look at the undetectable studies um, that where they got couples living with HIV who was with a negative partner to have sex so we could come up with the data to say that U equals U and it's a fact. There were nine transmissions of HIV in that time, but they managed to do like a Jeremy Kyle style DNA test on the HIV virus to see whether it was linked to their partner, and it wasn't. So oh, right. um, they found that that HIV. Gosh, I hope their part- <laughs> that, partner was expecting that. <laughs> that, that. Well, I don't know any more than that, but that HIV came from someone else. So if you are partaking in sex with more than one partner and you only know that one of those partners is undetectable then yes take prep cool. for that reason cool. Listen, it's brilliant to dispel some of this if you're listening um, and you uh, have questions you want to ask do send them through to us uh, studio at shoutoutradio.lgbt because we talk to Alid all the time so um, you know and you've probably heard him regularly do the Brigstow uh, My Five with us and um, we can always get other questions answered That's if you idea. would like to um, help out um, Brigstow you can do so with your phone actually if you text HIV to 785 that's 70 0085 um, it'll charge you a tenner plus your standard ne- network message rate uh, and that donates it to uh, Brigstow to help them out so um, they're a brilliant charity and, and they're all lovely people doing an absolutely wonderful job oh so, thanks so. very much uh, you'll run ragged this time of year we know. <laughs> I am I'm the colour of a ribbon uh, but yes <laughs> I like what you said about you have dreams about red ribbons attacking you coming down the street yeah <laughs> that happens like August September so like you picture the red ribbon and like the curve of the red ribbon is the head and the like the ribbony bits are the legs and they're life size and they kind of chasing me down corridors because that's when I start programming the two weeks of events that happen so yeah 
Uh, but it's very good of you to do it. It's, it's really good. Because it, it gets some It is my out. job. I do get paid to do it. So it's like. <laughs> so yeah. you should. It's good. So, uh, it's but no, good. it is a great thing and it means a lot to a lot of people. And mm. December the 1st is a special, special day for lots of, lots of reasons. Um, so I do yeah. genuinely hope in my lifetime we see an end to HIV. It's like, yes, uh, I do too. And I really do think, I think, you know. COVID, I won't won't deny. (laughs) Quite. Uh, We'll always have a cohort of people living with HIV. And the next step for us is how do we support ageing with HIV and how do we care for that? part of the community but mm-hmm. in terms of new diagnoses um, it is really achievable really yeah. really achievable yeah, it does seem like we're there well nearly there um, nearly anyway there. Uh, that's it for this week as always there's loads more stuff on our website uh, check it out and catch up with our podcast at shoutoutradio.lgbt uh, next week we're talking to the queen of high energy herself it's Hazel Dean mm. uh, so uh, join Brilliant. us for that uh, but from myself from Alid from Brigstow from Steph from Terry and from Andy you sat in the mat there say bye bye everyone bye 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 Shout out. LGBT radio for you.